Alex asked me to preach today, which is fantastic. Um, many will know I often do talks with lots of images. I've got lots of images. I looked at the weather forecast. It said it would be cloudy, which I was encouraged by, because the sunshine goes on the screen. <laughs> Those of you who have been praying for sunshine today... <laughs> Uh, can I apologise in advance uh, for uh, anyone uh, in the future listening to this uh, talk? You won't see the images on your mobile, you won't see the images if you're listening to this online. Sorry for that. <laughs> it's very much the, the faces in this room as we gather together to encourage one another that, that I'm uh, hopefully, hopefully uh, helping. Um, I've been vastly encouraged by actually everyone already. It's been quite an experimental gathering, as you'll have noticed. Newcomers, this is not quite our normal service, um, roaming around with microphones. Um, and Alex and I are going to try something a little bit unusual in a minute as well. Uh, not least, what's happening now. We've got a slide on the roof. Yeah. Oh, we'll go up there. Can everyone see it up there if I manage it? Listening on their mobiles and online. <laughs> At this point, the sunshine has gone. <laughs> the weather forecast was right. Ye of little faith. <laughs> the other thing is you can't fall asleep now because your heads are going to be looking up. <laughs> so here we are. Uh, and what we're going to do is um, uh, we're going to uh, we're gonna be looking at a passage. Uh, it's the next passage uh, in our series in Luke. Uh, Luke uh, 12, 1 to 12, it's in the back uh, of your uh, service sheets, you better see that. Uh, I've just bolted on a couple of the verses from the uh, previous week's passage just to help us set it in context because the first word is meanwhile, so we need to kind of know what's been going on before. Uh, do pray that that projector doesn't fall. Um, in fact, we are going to pray because um, more importantly than the projector falling, I think we need to pray that this is helpful for us, this is truthful for us, that the Holy Spirit works in us uh, as we look at this together uh, and helps me make sure I don't uh, err or digress beyond the time limit. As you can see, I've already done that. So let's pray hard. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you again that we can gather. Thank you again that you are Lord. Thank you that you are holy, holy, holy. Thank you that we are forgiven, those of us uh, like Connor, hearing his testimony, that we can rejoice in that. Uh, knowledge of eternal life and pray that as we uh, look at your word your Holy Spirit will be in this room now that he will be guiding us uh, to understand uh, uh, and apply this passage to us now Amen so uh, just to sort of set the scene so Debbie's going to read the passage um, uh, I'm going to try to sort of whiz through that passage then uh, we're going to look at sort of five points uh, and uh, Alex and I are going to see if we can do something a bit more conversational around those five points and also bring you guys in uh, if appropriate. So that's roughly the, the plan. So, Debbie, if you could read the passage, please. Uh, if you've got your It'll be recorded then as well. Uh, when Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak to his disciples, saying, 
be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have heard whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Thank you very much indeed. Um, so uh, the passage uh, is, uh, you we've just heard. I've kind of given the, the talk a title, Friend or Foe. Um, uh, those that were here last week, remember we had lots of woes. Woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. We've got foes and friends. Um, I don't know whether it's just me, but sometimes when I read something, I find it very hard to kind of absorb in one go. Um, and when I look at this passage, uh, and actually even reading some of the commentaries, it was sort of described as a sort of a string of pearls, lots of individual pieces of wisdom. Um, Alex and I had a, a helpful uh, time together, one-to-one. -one. Uh, we prayed through the passage, and Alex sort of encouraged me to look at it in a bigger context. And to kind of help us do that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do uh, an action replay um, of the passage that we've just had. Um, uh, I don't know whether you watch Wimbledon or sport generally, there's this bit of technology called Hawkeye. Um, it, it sees what goes on, it gives you a graphic representation, much slower, very accurate. Um, and what we're going to have is we're going to have the passage in the eyes of Hawkeye. Um, so let's see how this goes. When Jesus went outside, we remember he left the Pharisee's house. Alex said to us last week that we are actually quite like the Pharisees. Uh, very committed to the truth of the Bible. The Pharisees were like this. Um, this is Alex's house. As, as per Google Maps. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. I don't know whether anyone was sort of following uh, a lot of the debate around the recent election. Uh, Tim Farron, uh, a Christian, committed Christian, was challenged many, many times on his views on homosexual practice. Um, this is reality, this, this sense of being trapped and being uh, caught out. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another. I think this is very much a, a sort of 
picture the scene. Um, uh, vast crowd. Uh, chaotic. Um, uh, dangerous. Uh, I think this is very much a metaphor for uh, sort of com something completely public, completely in the public domain, completely transparent. Jesus began to speak to his disciples, saying... So he focused the conversations that we here uh, have heard, you know, we've seen recorded. And he spoke to the disciples, despite the big crowd. But the disciples and he were in the crowd. This was public. People could hear what was going on. In contrast, really, to the, the private dinner party that, that we saw last week. Be on your guard. Uh, I'm not a cricketer. But apparently this is taking a guard. Uh, you, you stand there with your bat sign on. This is not to hit the ball. That would be rather uh, foolish. Um, I'm getting nods from Roe. He's been brought up with cricket, of course. Um, and, and the key thing is to know where your weakness is. So in cricket, the weakness is your stumps. That's what you're protecting. So you stand there. You're going to be facing the bowler. You can't look at your weakness. So you need to know where they are. So you ask, uh, where are they in, in, in the line, as it were, so you can defend them? against the yeast of the Pharisees. Uh, yeast is a very small thing, as we know. Gets in, spreads, does some chemical reactions, a few molecules. Um, gets to places that... Um, uh, well, actually, it impregnates the whole batch. Um, the problem with the metaphor, I guess, for us is that actually we think yeast is a really good thing. I like that kind of bread. That's bread made with yeast. Um, so I always look at the yeast metaphor in the Bible as, as, as a sort of slightly strange one. Um, I'm, I'm wondering whether, uh, for us, actually, um, the metaphor of, of cancer might be useful. Um, so the idea of cancer getting into the body and spreading and, and getting into the whole body, it gets into the bloodstream. And so, you know, beware of the cancer of the Pharisees. It's the same sort of sense, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, this idea that something can get in uh, and spread. Which is hypocrisy. Uh, or acting, pretending to be a different person, as we saw last week. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. I was uh, reading the paper last week when I started uh, preparing for this. There was an article about the dark web. It's the side of the internet we don't see. It's the one that's fully encrypted. You've got to know how to get in. Uh, and it's a story of a guy that m was a very successful criminal using the dark web. And actually, he, what he was saying suddenly worked their way into the daylight. Uh, and he was caught out because things that he'd said and he thought were behind encryption, actually other people exposed into light, and he was caught. And what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. Look carefully at that image. That is a toilet with one-way glass. So when you are in on the toilet, you can see everybody else. No one can see you. But I don't know how comfortable you would be using that toilet. I think it's in Lucerne in Switzerland. I'm not sure whether it's still there. I wonder how comfortable you would be using that toilet. I wonder how comfortable you would be knowing that what you say in the inner room is suddenly made public. Uh, Philip Hammond had, the, had a, uh, that experience recently. He, he was in a cabinet meeting. He, he was explaining um, his views on the pay of people in the public sector, and cabinet meeting uh, eventually becomes public over a period of time, but it was leaked, and what was said in private was made public. I tell you, my friends, 
Do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. The word we have translated hell, uh, more literally is translated here, Gehenna. It's often used, the two words are often used side by side. Gehenna uh, is a, was a burning rubbish dump just outside Jerusalem in the sort of ring bit in this valley. They used to throw everything in. It just kept burning. Uh, they would even throw dead bodies in into the rubbish dump. Uh, historically, it was even used for, for child sacrifice. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? In Matthew's account, uh, he says... Two sparrows for one penny. That's four, four sparrows for two p. That means one sparrow is free. <laughs> Buy two batches, get one free. Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. (laughs) Don't be afraid. It's a bit confusing, isn't it? Fear, don't fear. Fear, don't fear. Yes, fear him, don't fear. We're getting this sort of contradicting message here. You can see it in the text. It's actually more literal in another translation where we have... Um, in verse 7 indeed the very hairs from his head were all numbered don't be afraid uh, in other translations it says don't fear, fear not so in a sense there's a sort of contradiction we have to get our heads around in a minute you are worth more than many sparrows I tell you whoever publicly acknowledges me before others the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others... So here we have a, a painting, an illustration of Peter denying Christ during Christ's trial. ...will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. So Jesus, later, very soon after that time, actually went to Peter and said, Peter, you are the rock on which I will build my church. The very same man who denied Jesus. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit... This is tricky. We often sort of credit luck for a lot of our lives, and yet we believe that the Holy Spirit is guiding our lives, equipping us, empowering us, uh, teaching us. We just say luck. Or random collisions of molecules. Or as we saw uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think three weeks ago, because we had a a week uh, on the common, uh, people accrediting the work of the Holy Spirit to the devil. Will not be forgiven. Tough one that, isn't it? But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. We read in John 16, 8, when he comes, that is the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin, concerning righteousness, concerning judgment. If we're not convicted of our sin, if we don't realize we are sinners, well, we can't ask for forgiveness. We can't ask for forgiveness for something we 
don't believe we need to be forgiven for. We don't see our sin, we don't ask for forgiveness. We don't ask for forgiveness, we can't be forgiven. It's as simple as that, really. Or put it another way, um, very, very small writing, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. If you don't ask for forgiveness, you cannot be forgiven. And it's the Holy Spirit through whom we are convicted of that sin. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities... You know the feeling? That time in the pub with friends at work, people are challenging you for your faith, what you believe. Do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Massively, massively encouraging. That same Peter, that same Peter who denied Christ, that same Peter on whom Christ said, I will build my church, again, shortly after, is filled with the Holy Spirit so that he can give an answer, in a sense, for what's been going on. We'll come back to that that passage in a minute. Uh, Thank you, Debbie, very much. So that's our replay, our Hawkeye view of the passage. Certainly it was helpful for me as I prepared. Um, uh, As we try to do, in a sense, we try to summarise the sermon in a a sentence. Uh, If if I was going to do that, but the public proclamation of the gospel will lead to problems on earth but praise in heaven. On the inside of your service sheets, you'll see a page, there's room for notes if you've not already found it and you've not already been making it. Uh, You don't have to make notes, but you can see the five points that we're going to cover uh, in a slightly unusual way. What I'm going to do is just going to tee them up, and then I'm going to see if um, Alex has... Uh, in a sense, you might want to shed more light on it, might want to ask me why I'm thinking that, may ask you, you know, what your response is. So five Fs in response to the, uh, the passage. Uh, and in response in the context of the public proclamation of the gospel will lead to problems on earth, but praise in heaven. So the first one, fake. So we're looking at the first three verses of the passage. Um, do not be hypocritical like them. So let's again remind ourselves... The hypocrite is the actor. Uh, and actually being hypocritical here is, 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 is sort of trying to be more worthy. Trying to show yourself more than you really are. And, that, and that's obviously an acting thing. Um, saying things uh, in public and in private uh, differently are going to um, have different effects. So we might have one message one way and, a, and another message another way. But it's very easy, I think, to read this passage and go, oh, yes, the, the, the Pharisees. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to be like them. But actually, this passage is, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he's saying, what you have said, what you have whispered. So it becomes very personal, and I think we can apply this to ourselves. It's dangerous, in a sense, we just, just bat that one away. Oh, yeah, no, that's the, uh, the Pharisees. They're the, they're the hypocritical, hypocritical ones. Uh, we don't apply that. And remember the yeast, the danger of things spreading from one to another. Have you noticed how dogs and owners end up looking like each other? Uh, I never know really which one changes uh, according to the other one. Uh, I discovered as I googled a few images that it's not just dogs that end up looking like their owners. It happens with cats and owners as well. It's a strange phenomenon. Um, uh, Just one more, just one more. Um, It's absolutely incredible. You just have to look at that and laugh, don't you? 
But the danger is we do come, we, we, we become like the people we hang out with, as it were. We become like each other. And that's why actually it's so important to meet together as a church, to hang out with each other, to encourage one another, to reset each other. Because uh, if we spend more time with non-Christians, we will be inclined to look more like them, as it were. So there's a real warning in that one that it's actually us that needs to be prepared. Uh, so at this point, I want to sort of see if Alex has got any... Uh, uh, he may not have. So we, we, we've never done this for those who are new to the church. We've never done this sort of um, conversational part of the sermon, but we're just going to see if it Alex, I don't know if you've got any thoughts or questions of me or others. On this one, I don't, but, but do others. Is there anything, anywhere that you, from your kind of, your own personal position, when you look around at the church, might see, okay, that, that kind of behaviour that we have as a culture is a bit hypocritical? So I've said that very literally. So from where I'm standing, I think you said, what I see of the church, well, I'm here uh, and I'm looking out. Um, I don't see hypocrisy because I don't have that. Um, I can't see into your thoughts and your souls. But there's a danger, of course, that uh, I can be sitting in the congregation listening to a sermon or singing a song uh, and nodding, um, but not really believing. And so I think I can be showing one type of behavior, in the, even in a church context, and be drifting into another. So, no, I, I can't see, see the hypocrisy. I mean, I think there's, there's consistency or non-consistency in various things. I think it's a challenge for us all, individually as Christians and collectively as a church, um, that we are who we say we are, we behave who we say we are, we don't pretend to be one thing and do something else in private. Yes, yes. Well, not really a question so much as a thought. Oh, wisdom would be absolutely... Uh, 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 by the way, this is not about questions and answers actually about your wisdom and our wisdom collectively and the Holy Spirit working in you. So, Bill? I just thought it was interesting that in the uh, church in that time with Pharisees, hypocrisy, like people on the outside of the, who weren't Pharisees, wouldn't have said that was a big problem in the church, hypocrisy. Whereas now our culture sees hypocrisy as one of the main put-offs to church, doesn't it? So, I don't know, that's very much how yeah, yeah. it's played out. Very interesting. Yeah, you know, I think so. So yeah, so so uh, since that wasn't recorded, um, the sort of the hypocrisy of the day might have been sort of fairly normal. It might have been the way of behaving. Actually, for us in the 21st century, we are accused of well, we collectively as as Christians, sort of religion, I suppose. And so there's real challenges for us as we reach out with the gospel. Oh, you hypocrites! Oh, you hypocrites! So very very real. So let's let's move on to the second one. So you're getting the idea that. Um, you can sort of see things in here, you can answer them, you can ask questions. Um, so the second F is fears. We go on to the next chunk. Um, and uh, what do we have? Well, fear is a funny thing, isn't it? Because we, we kind of fear different things. So it's impossible for me to know what are your fears. Um, so it would be very easy for me to sort of stand up and say, um, oh, I think this and, and do this. Oh, I can't do that. I've got no idea. Uh, where you are, but I think the key component here 
is something that Alex has taught us about previously, and it's this notion of a swap. Uh, a swap. Um, and, very, and, and we saw that in the sort of in the image for walk, don't walk. It's, it seems to be contradicting itself. Well, hang on a minute. Fear, don't fear. Fear, don't fear. Yes, fear God. Don't fear God. Fear God because he has the authority to put you in hell. Don't fear God because you are more worthy than one of those little sparrows who's free. Don't uh, uh, fear God because he's got the authority to throw you into hell. Don't fear God because he knows every hair on your head. It's an amazing contradiction. So this fear swap for us is, is, is as best we can and through the Holy Spirit and by the encouragement of each other to fear man less, to fear God completely. In fact, ideally a clean swap. Don't fear man, fear God. Um, and that fear is a, is a wonderful thing because of that authority and because of that love. And it's that combination of the two that makes fear a, a, a wonderful thing. So again, we got into this. So There's a chance for Alex to chip in or others to chip in. Fear. Fear not. And then we can record it for the um, for the benefit of those listening uh, online. I mean, I I was quite challenged by the concept of fearing God. Even um, when we did have the service on the uh, common a couple of weeks ago, it was a concept which came up came up then. And I remember going away reflecting on that and thinking, well, actually, in the modern form of the word fear, I don't fear. Yeah. God, I, I have joy in yeah. God. I have absolute faith, yeah. absolute conviction. But it was really quite useful that evening. I went away because obviously we had the service in the morning. Yeah. Um, I went with Haley to her church in the evening, and it just so happened God speaking into uh, my questions as usual. The um, the sermon that evening was exactly on fear, and I think what came out of that was it's not fear as we would translate it in in modern times but it's an absolute respect of god's word yeah. absolute desire yeah. to stand up right to, yeah. to god's word and i think that was a really useful yeah. translation yeah. for me because the word fear was actually quite contradict um contradictory to uh, what, what i feel yeah i think that's really really helpful uh, penny's going to contribute to that if we can get the microphone over to there and that's why i think for me the image is so useful as well because the, the fear that the child has a loving I think just to add to that, I I remember going through the same process when I was in, in France, and in France they have a different word for fear like a horror movie and fear like respect, um, and which was helpful at the time. Um, but even the fear like respect they use in a real like terror sense, like it's not just... I, and I think that was something that is lost in our culture because of, like, fear is almost diminished by horror movies. You know, like, it's this thing that we do when we talk to our kids in, like, ghost stories and stuff like that. Like, it's not the same. And yet, we don't really, like, in our, in our like, there is no real fear in our culture anymore. Like, not real fear. Yeah. We don't, like we don't fear for our life like yeah. most of us don't fear for our lives and things like that and so that sense that there is a real like god is dangerous you know like the lion in narnia like we don't have that sense of we've never been in a cage with a lion we don't know what it's like to fear a lion yeah. and yet that is the fear that we should have in the presence of god like and so respect you obviously respect a lion but that like 
it's really hard to actually sense that when we use the word respect. Yeah. It was helpful that in French they have the two words. Yeah, they're really helpful. And what's just come to mind with you saying that, which is very encouraging, is, is the C.S. Lewis stories, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. C.S. Lewis cho chose to portray uh, God and Jesus um, as a lion. Um, there was the fearful moments and the loving moments. If it's just, if life is just a series of molecules, you don't fear molecules, do you? There's no, there's no consequences. I fear. I think it's, it, yeah. I, I think what Penny says is really helpful because I, I think it is so much more than just awe and respect. God is described as an all-consuming fire. That means that anything that comes into His presence that isn't holy like Him gets burned up in an instant. And therefore, if you are secure in the flames of an all-consuming fire, then anything that can be consumed is not frightening at all. Um, and so God is, is incredibly frightening until we realize that we are made holy like him. And, um, uh, and I think having that perspective on the things around us that we're likely to fear, that actually they would burn up in the consuming fire of God shows that then we really do want to fear him and trust in him and have confidence in him so we burn white hot with his holiness given by Christ yeah very helpful uh, Charlotte read earlier Isaiah 6 was it um, where Isaiah is saying woe to me I've seen God I'm in trouble um, and so that sense of fear is something that is a positive thing so moving on and uh, the third F's uh, or two in fact here so what a uh, friend of foe. Um, and, and I've sort of subtitled this one, Give Credit Where Credit Is Due. Um, if we publicly acknowledge Jesus, Jesus publicly within the context of heaven acknowledges us. So the fans are applauding the players, the players are applauding the fans. There's a sense of acknowledgement. If we publicly deny Jesus, we are denied in heaven. That's what the passage says. Whoever acknowledges, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before the others will be disowned before the angels of God. Pretty black and white. Pretty simple. Um, and again, there's a warning here. There's a warning that, which is the next bit. Someone's just read the cartoon, which was what that chuckle was. Um, I'm, I'll go to sort of 10b, as it were. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Um, and again, that, is, that blasphemy is not giving the Holy Spirit the credit he deserves. That is a, a frightening uh, and a shocking thing. Um, so, Christ and the Holy Spirit, in a sense, can be friend or foe. It depends on how we behave. It's our choice. Um, for all of us, we would have known Christ as a foe. We are not born... Christian. We are not born sinless. We're not born saved. We're all born and we put Jesus to one side. We're going to come on to that in a minute. But any 
observations at this point. I think, I mean, that's pretty black and white. Yes, sh sh uh, can we have the microphone for so it's a question more than an observation, but when you were saying um, if we don't give the Holy Spirit credit, um, then it's blasphemy, which is unforgivable. It feels like we do that constantly, but yet we believe we can be forgiven for that. So how does that quite work? That, that is there something that you can do that is literally unforgivable, even though there is yeah. grace at yeah. the cross? Brilliant question. Uh, it's something I struggled with. Uh, Alex and I uh, talked through this. Let me see if I can, and in a sense it was that earlier slide, um, so the issue is the sort of the primary um, not giving the Holy Spirit credit, so if, if we don't give the Holy Spirit the credit for existing, and him showing us our sin, we can't ask for forgiveness because we don't recognise we need to ask anything for forgiveness for, there we, therefore we can not be forgiven. Don't ask and the answer is no. The issue of the ongoing um, daily struggle that we all have uh, whilst we're saved but we're here in this sinful world the devil defeated but not completely wiped out um, that I, I think is not what is being spoken about here it's more the fundamental if I say there is no Holy Spirit I can't be saved uh, Alex do you want to take the microphone and build on that at all yeah and I think uh the thing that helps me to understand is how the roles of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit work within the one God. And um, I suppose you could say the Holy Spirit is the relational person of God. Um, he is the one who enables us to have a relationship with the Father and the Son. And so if we blaspheme, if we reject the Holy Spirit, then we're saying, God, I don't want a relationship with you. Um, we will all be guilty of... Um, blaspheming and speaking against the Father and the Son because in our sin we're, we're running away from him. But if we're saying we want no relationship at all, um, there is no, well there we are, you know, we're given what we ask for, there is no relationship. Thank you. But, but in that verse there's great encouragement, isn't there? In the first half of verse 10, uh, there is a chance for forgiveness. Um, anyone, verse 10, anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. Son of Man being another way of describing Jesus, one of his names he used for himself, uh, and we can be forgiven. And that's, we, uh, for all of us, and I think pretty, as far as I know, all of us in the room, we are forgiven. Um, and that's an amazing thing. In a sense, how does that work? Because if we are born sinful, if we're born selfish, if we're born uh, uh, denying Christ, if we're born ruling our own lives, if we're born not letting Christ rule our lives. How does that happen? Well, it's simple in a sense. We need to recognize Christ, recognize Jesus as Lord, ask Jesus as Lord to rule our lives, which means we've had to give away our own rule, our own selfishness. Uh, and then there is a promise and the promise is being washed clean uh, and the promise is that we can have a new life um, but in that transition we must proclaim Jesus as Lord Jesus is Lord if we don't do that if he's not what does Lord mean? Lord is, is, is our ruler he's, we've given away our life to his rule it's the way uh, Adam and Eve were written in the Garden of Eden they were in perfect harmony with each other and with God. They dwelt together. God walked with them in the coolness of the evening. Um, but they had to sit under his rule. But that needed to be free will. 
uh, and yet uh, they, we, chose to rule our own life. Um, and that's the, that's the wonderful news of the gospel. That's the gospel that many of us, if not all of us, have heard and responded to. Uh, that might, for some people here, come as a, 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 a realisation, a discovery. It's, it's wrong for us to assume, I think. Um, any comments on this? Other than it's great news? Um, if you are here and if you're kind of struggling with this, then come to me, come to Alex, uh, uh, Andy, one of our elders who's been on the PA. Talk, oh, actually, just to your, whoever you're sitting with, just talk this through. Um, because this is the wonderful news of the gospel that we can be forgiven even though we've denied Christ and uh, the final F uh, is filled and we see that in the last verses uh, when you're brought before the synagogues rulers and authorities do not worry about what about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what to say where's the word filled well teach you what to say well effectively to say Jesus is Lord. Um, the filling, in a sense, is in that, um, that gospel message, uh, the, the, the message in Acts that we saw Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. But let's, uh, as we lead into that, so we're forgiven. In forgiveness, we can have this new life. This new life is proclaiming Jesus as Lord. It's as simple as that. And we can do that because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. But hang on a minute. How did we get there? Because we were dirty. And where was the Holy Spirit if we're not filled with the Holy Spirit until we've said Jesus is Lord? Well, the Holy Spirit, as we saw, is the, is the one who convicts us of the sin. So while we are still dirty... Because of the working of the Holy Spirit, who has yet to fill us, he works in us and says, guys, you're, you're dirty. This is sin. We recognize our sin, we can repent of that, we can ask for forgiveness, we can be saved, and when we're saved, we're washed clean, and we, we can proclaim Jesus as Lord. Um, and, and in that is the filling of the Holy Spirit that we see in Acts 8, that was given and offered to, to, to Peter. So, um, and so... Uh, actually, if I go back to that, the really wonderful thing about that passage is Peter doesn't defend himself. So the context of the passage is, is Peter's uh, healed somebody, uh, the, the rulers don't like what's going on, they bring him before the authority and say, what's going on? And he doesn't say, well, I did this, I did this, or whatever. I didn't. He, what he says is, then, and I've, I've just dropped a couple of bits out, but it's, it's, I haven't added anything. Um, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is none other, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And this is amazing. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They were astonished, but they saw Jesus. It's, everything was pointing to Jesus. And in a sense, this passage is, is about the public proclamation of the gospel. Uh, and that's the challenge to us. Um, anything there? Alex, do you want to chip in any comments from anyone? I, d I just find this a huge um, 
challenge and encouragement to be asking the Holy Spirit, Spirit to constantly fill us because Peter was there at Pentecost and was filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a, a one-off. In order to share the gospel, in order to live out the public proclamation, we need to ask to go on being filled by the Holy Spirit. Very helpful. Thank you. Um, but in, in conversion, in salvation, in being saved, we are filled with the Holy Spirit at that moment because there's, uh, some people might come from slightly different church backgrounds where they see that as a separate thing. Bible, as far as we can understand it, it's a single event. And yet there is this continual filling, filling, filling. There's no waiting, but there is this continual filling. So the public Pro- proclamation of the gospel will lead to problems on earth. There will be challenges. We'll be challenged by our friends. We'll be um, there's challenges against hypocrisy there's things we need to be careful because if we are public proclaiming the gospel we are exposing ourselves in public and we're saying this is what we believe and in a sense we need to show that we believe it in our lives if we say nothing we can't be hypocritical we can just be quiet so we are exposing ourselves in that public proclamation but the great news is there's praise in heaven Jesus our Lord is risen and he is there saying he's, he's applauding like the the football players are applauding the crowd when we publicly proclaim Jesus as Lord and that is an opportunity for each one of us daily to have that uh, praise in heaven because in a sense the point of that's just a graphic I got offline uh, on, on, from Google the point of my life is to point to him that's why we're saved we're saved to point to Jesus and I'm going to stop there Thanks so much, Jim. Um, and thank you for being so efficient time-wise when I gave you so little. We squeezed a lot in at the beginning. But it's been a real encouragement for me. Um, thank you, everyone else, for, for joining in. You'll see the last thing on the sheets there, in terms of the running order, is the commissioning prayer. We have that every week. Um, sometimes we forget that that's what we're doing as we, as we close the formal time together, um, is that we're being commissioned by the Lord Jesus. We're being equipped here as we gather together as his people um, and we're being commissioned to go out like uh, that city on a hill letting our light shine uh, before people. Um, that would be particularly pertinent for someone like Connor who's going out for a couple of months with um, guys who don't know Jesus. Let's be praying on uh, for him. Um, but let's be praying, and I'm going to pray now, that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit like Peter was so that we could go out with boldness and... Um, Uh, share that wonderful good news Um, as Jim summarized it the public proclamation of the gospel will lead to problems on earth people won't necessarily like you for telling them that as they are they're cut off from God on the way to the Gehenna the rubbish dump of history they won't necessarily like that but as they hear that good news as we were hearing from Connor um, in his testimony he went from worrying to knowing he was saved and it would lead to praise in heaven so it's worth it so why don't we pray that the holy spirit would equip us fill us commission us to speak for jesus let's pray lord jesus christ thank you so much for your clear teaching thank you for uh speaking to jim and giving him the encouragement of um learning from you and we pray as uh we 
um, have tea together now as we chat together that we'd be spurring one another on to uh, live out this pro public proclamation of the gospel. Uh, we pray that we wouldn't fear um, the awkwardness. Um, that's pretty much all we face in this country, but it still feels serious. The awkwardness of... Uh, being public about the wonder of the Lord Jesus, but instead we would see that the joy of seeing people come to know the goodness of the Lord Jesus and the transformation that that brings in their lives and in ours for all eternity, that that would uh, be something that we hold on to. And so we pray that you would fill us with that joy and people would know that we have been with Jesus. In, in your name. Amen.